Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, a big episode of the House Divided podcast. We are previewing the NCAA basketball tournament this week. Uh, I am here with Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you? Tomorrow's big day, start of the tournament. I know. I have to start tomorrow. I guess we're yeah. uh, tipping people off. We didn't watch Selection Sunday, right? So, because they only get their news from us. That, uh, yeah. Unless you have to play tomorrow. We are the main source of news. Um, so, but first, we have actually bigger things to talk about. Um, Archie Miller and Richard Patino, our sweet prince, got shit canned already before the start of the tournament. Uh, I, I before we get into the memes, um, how crazy is it? Nine teams from the Big Ten get a bid to the tournament. And out of the five that didn't make it, three of them fired their coach. I mean, what a what a testament to the league, man. Does does that include Penn State? Is that saying Penn State because when they fired him preseason? Yeah, it, well, it, I mean, because yeah. he was an interim. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. The Archie one kind of just felt obvious. <laughs> like yeah. three years ago, it felt obvious. Um, yeah. The Richard Patino one, man. That's a uh, it hits me right in the soul. That hurts our brand. I guess we're going to have to start covering New Mexico basketball because I can't let Richard go that easily. I think we should have a weekly New Mexico basketball segment once the season starts next year. That'd be, we gotta, that'd be a good bit. You just got to devote at least devote at least 15 seconds the same way he would, you know, so. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep, that's a bit for sure, folks. So just so you know, we're, we're definitely going to do a 15-second New Mexico recap every week. Yes. Year. Yeah. We're, um, uh, we're going to really get into the mountain. Are they mountain West? I'm going to say they're mountain West. I don't even know what conference they are, but we're going to get really into them. Uh, what was he unemployed for? Like 25 hours? <laughs> uh, not even. I think the, uh, cause I think Minnesota didn't put out the official uh, <laughs> statement until like 8 PM. And he got, I think they announced his hire at like nine or 10. So it was AM the next day. So it was only like 13 or 14 hours. He was officially unemployed. Um, it's just crazy. Uh, the funny part I saw was I, I saw like an account that's like a, uh, like a meme account. I don't think they're like a real insider. Um, but like two days before said that his dad was going to leave Iona and go to New Mexico. So there must be a connection there between the Patinos and yeah, somebody weird. in New Mexico. So, cause someone was making the joke that it was going to be uh, his old man. So. Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see if his career is like legit over or if, uh, if he might actually make New Mexico competitive wherever they play. Um, before we jump into the big 10 tournament, Jeremy, I, I have been tossing and turning over the prospect of John Beeline coaching Indiana basketball. Um, I really, if you ask me one time, I'm like, man, that's an interesting experiment, especially because if, if you were to go there and fail, that would say way more about Indiana basketball than it would about John Beeline for sure. Um, but, and on the other hand though, like, and I think of like, man, it would be kind of cool to see him and Juwan coach against each other. Um, it'd be a cool dynamic. It would break my heart a little bit, but, and then like, 
we always talked about on Michigan Twitter how John Beeline, Matt Painter games were great. Well, you make it in the Indiana-Purdue rivalry, that'd be even better. But then I just actually envision him in the Indiana polo, and it makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, it, it felt like he was a perfect fit at Michigan. Like, football program was number one. He could just kind of be in the background. He could recruit little bit lower heralded players because he could mold them into what he wanted. Now, granted, at the end of his run at Michigan, he was kind of changing his recruiting tactics a little bit. But uh, it just feels like a really weird fit. Like, he could go to a good blue blood, but I don't think Indiana's the blue blood. You know? I don't know, man. It'll be interesting. I really can't wait to see who they hire because, I mean, it's like when Michigan football or Texas football or – you know, UCLA basketball. It's just one of those programs where every time they make a hire, you, you got an eye on it. And man, I mean, apparently Brad Stevens is in Bloomington right now. <laughs> you saw my retweet. Yeah, yeah, the guy with 96 followers. He's got good sources, man. Um, oh, man. It's like when the guy with uh, 12 followers tweeted the Turkin <laughs> thing. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll get into all that later. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Who do you, who do you think takes that job? Oh God. Okay, first, like while well, you think of that, I just do want to say I, I liked the Penn State hire. Uh they hired a Purdue assistant that feels smart. That was a good I saw hire. I saw someone say basically you can either go after the guy who's gonna get you recruits or you can go after the like the X's nose guy. And to me, like the guy bringing recruits to Penn State is not gonna happen. So um, you could hire that guy, but he lasts four years and get ran out by the coaches who can recruit and do X's and O's. Um, so I like them taking a stab at the X's and O's thing. And just, you know, Matt Painter's tree is a pretty good tree to pick off of. So. Yeah. Um, man, I, I think Indiana's probably going to hire John Beeline. I don't know. You know me. I get, you think that's I, the get one, huh? I get pessimism brain all the time. And uh, like I said, I'm very torn on it, but I, I just have a weird feeling, you know, it feels like, Feels like as weird of a fit as it would be. I mean, so was him taking the Cavs job, you know? That wasn't a good fit. We all saw that eventually, like within months. Um, and, and it just feels like a chance for him. Or he could take, I heard on. Is it a bad fit, though? Him was and the it? Cavs? So, so, yeah, the Cavs. But I, I just look at it as like, I think he just wanted an NBA job. And that was yeah, the one that yeah. was open. Yeah. I think in other. They were and, they were a bad fit. Yeah, then, that roster I think, was a I think, fire, and he he does not like losing. And he went from a team where right. you you lose ten games in a season, that's not very good. He went to a situation like that, and I think he lost like ten out of his first thirteen games in Cleveland. Like right. it, it just right. I it, I feel like if you give John Beeline a good roster in the NBA, he can X and O's his way to a good record and potentially a playoff run. But having him be the guy to start a rebuild uh, with his personality, that never really made sense to me. And so, yeah, I didn't think that was a good fit. But I, I, I can't see him being content being a BTN analyst. I, I just can't. No, no I, think, I think he'll take a job. Um, I don't know if Indiana is the job. Um, yeah, that's fair. That that's completely fair. I, there are so many reasons to point. To and it. there's there's some layers to it. Like I know, like 
part of the timing that was good was his son had some personal stuff come up and you know does he want to go back to work right now it, does he put his son on staff like there's just a ton of things going on i uh i might be the brendan quinn style and then also so you're the you're the pessimism brain i wanted to be optimistic brain and put a thought out in the universe that i want which is dane fife to leave msu <laughs> and get hired at indiana so i was gonna say um, that but i didn't want to just feel like i was ripping off brendan quinn like if somebody went straight from listening to the oh. moving screen to us because he he made that same comment it was either on that or the beat i don't remember which one he said no it was on he said on moving screen that basically he he thinks that they swing and miss and get down to dane fife is the way mm-hmm. he put it um and then you know thomas kitty or transfers with him and it's just oh a beautiful God. marriage <laughs> foster um, lawyer indiana Bullard. <laughs> yeah no i i don't know if it gets down to dane that is a really bad search though for them that means they probably swing and miss on at least what four to five guys first probably including beeline saying no yeah yeah um, for sure. it feels like beeline won't be 100 percent bought in that feels like one where if if i'm him i don't do the situation because i feel like if he was to go there he gets maybe 60 percent of the boosters to like it and 40 to hate it and if you want to turn around Indiana, you need a hundred percent. Like you need everyone on board. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think Although, that's going to happen with John. But turning around a basketball program can happen a lot quicker than a football program, and that's hundred percent. Remember, but, uh, but the yeah. Indiana the Indiana situation just doesn't seem fun. <laughs> They'll turn on him so quick. Like exactly. Yeah. So. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see this play out. That'll be one of our major talking points probably once the offseason starts as uh, talking about Indiana basketball as as our podcast should. Um, But so we are officially in the midst of March Madness. We just got done with conference tournaments and we are jumping into the NCAA tournament as soon as tomorrow to get in the mood. I even uh, there's no good sports on tonight, so I put I went on YouTube and I've got Michigan Kansas from the Trey Burke here on the TV just to get in the March Madness spirit. Um, let's talk about the Big Ten tournament this week. Uh, let, let's just go chronological order because we don't have any overlapping stuff because unfortunately Michigan State could not beat Maryland despite a super promising start. Like they came out. Yeah. And just being off the back of that Michigan game, I was like, all right, MSU turned it on. They're probably going to make a sweet 16 and they still could. I'll get, I'll get into that later, but uh, like a super, it looked like they were going to beat their ass. And then, (laughs) and then it all turned. Yeah. I don't know. It's, you know, if you want to take the optimistic side at this point, I think we've played them twice. You could just say Maryland is just clearly a terrible matchup. Um, Started off hot, got a good first 10 minutes, but then once Maryland locked down their defense once again, uh, nothing was going for MSU. And just like the first time we played them, we got into foul trouble in a Bo Borowski game, and they shot out of their mind on the free throws, which they usually haven't all season. But again, both times we played MSU, they've hit their free throws. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. That was a rough one. That was – that was one of the like really ugly games to watch too. Like there's just no flow for the last 30 minutes. It wasn't like Maryland was even, even like the first time when we got blown out by Maryland, you could at least enjoy what Maryland was doing on offense, like as a neutral. (laughs) Um, This game was ugly, like both sides. There was nothing 
Good. It was a typical Bo Borowski, no flow to the game, ugliness. Uh, it certainly yeah. was. I, I, I watched as a neutral for probably 70% of the game, just on and off. And, uh, man, I I would appreciate it if that dude would retire from refereeing. Uh, he, he is so bad. I mean, I appreciate the whole, like, making MSU go 0-6 with you refing. Like, that's a nice token. But it's not even worth it. Like, I think he refed the Michigan-Michigan State game, uh, the first one. Where, where you guys lost and just like that was the one I think there was 22 fouls called in the first half and it was something similar with this uh it, it's terrible Big Ten Big Ten really needs to figure out some refing stuff that's the biggest thing about the NCAA tournament I'm so happy about is uh no more Big Ten refs for us It'll yeah be- at least until the final four right that's the first time you can uh have your league ref yeah. your games which that doesn't uh, make sense to me because, like, you would think that would be the earlier rounds where there's so many games going on and they could just take whoever's available. When there's a final four, you only have so many conferences playing and so many conference referee, like, and you have so many conferences to referee. How, why, why should there be any association? I don't I mean, know. To me, that, to me, that just tells you how bad it is across the country because then you, you're basically saying that when we get to the final four, there's only three crews we really trust or something. And yeah. uh, if it happens to be from a conference, uh, a conference affiliation, then it is what it is. And, and then they'll also be like called the Trey Burke block on Louisville foul. And I like, they're not good either, but you know. yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. L- let's get back to Michigan state, Maryland. Yeah. That was uh, um, the game sucked. I, I'm sure it sucked as a neutral and even though I bet Michigan State, you, you know how it is when you're watching your rival, even when you bet on them, you can't help but snicker and feel feel mm-hmm. good about them losing, especially right after coming off the heels of a loss to them. And uh, so, I, but it still just wasn't enjoyable to watch. <laughs> there, there, you were right about there's no flow. Fouls called up the ass. Um, I think that was one of the fouls they called. They said up the ass and um, – Sorry, for those who can't see our Zoom call, I just did the uh, – I did a physical motion for that. Um, um, yeah, I think that was the Izzo Tech. I think that's what, uh, <laughs> that's what it was. Oh, which, man. Which made MSU Twitter mad that I continue to complain about technical fouls. But uh, – You're really mad yeah. when anybody says anything bad about Tom Izzo, which fair. But, <laughs> like, Alex Kirchner is a really smart guy and a really good follow, and he got – just shredded by MSU Twitter. People calling him a dipshit and, and like I mean, going after him hard. I, I I like Alex Kirshner. I've supported him on multiple projects, um, but I also say that I like Alex Kirshner to get pushed into a, a locker a few more times because he's such a nerd about things. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm um, tracking away from the game. You you talk about no, yeah. That a second. I think the other thing was there's just no individual performance. Like even the first time you play Maryland, you're like, well, Aaron Henry had a couple really good driving dunks. He had some things that he was trying to get going. But like this game, I mean, that first 10 minutes, like Rocket had a couple of nice plays. He had like a really nice bounce pass to uh, Marcus Bainham on the block. Um, Julius Marble had a couple of nice plays. I feel like, you know, Aaron was doing his typical thing. And then again, like it was when it went bad, it like went bad across the board. Um, 
I can't really, I mean, Marcus didn't play enough. And again, that's, an, that's another thing. It was one of those where the players didn't play well. And then you just started to get mad about some of the lineup decisions. Like where's Marcus Brigham for more than 15 minutes, <laughs> um, you know, and I know, again, it's a bad matchup for him because Maryland's smaller and he just can't guard. He's not going to guard out to the three-point line. Um, so it wasn't the perfect matchup for him. But at the same time, I feel like we're in game, what, 30? At this point, if it's not a perfect matchup, who cares? He's clearly who you need to play as center. Um, <laughs> there's a pretty steep drop-off to even a guy that I love, like Julius Marble. Like, there's a, there's a pretty severe drop-off. So – that was probably the most frustrating was that, uh, you know, didn't have the same guys. Like we, we couldn't complain about lawyer. We couldn't complain about kid here. Like they weren't getting too many minutes the way that maybe people like to blame early in the season, but it was guys like, like being, I'm not getting enough. Um, and again, for me personally, like you can tell me all you want about technical fouls, uh, sometimes swing things your way. You had a four point lead. You took a tech, you leave after their four foul, four free throws and the game's tied and your team didn't respond. Um, the reps responded. We did get some MSU foul calls the other way, but I, I don't think it fired up the team. I don't think it did, I guess, what you're looking for there. Um, but I also, you know, there's also Bo Borowski calling the technical. So it could have been the softest technical in the world. He probably could have said something that never gets a tech and he got one. So you know, I won't blame Izzo for that, but um, it was a it was like a cold cold dash of water. Like the run was fun. We continued to streak, but uh, if we get a bad matchup, a bad matchup is just gonna sink this team. Unlike a Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, where you just feel like you have a utility knife and you can match up with anyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the the tournament chances and how we feel uh, later in that section, but. Uh, it was a discouraging game. And if you want to talk about discouraging on the Michigan side of things, really a bummer because, uh, man, if Michigan beat State at the Breslin last Sunday, they're for sure out of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, like 100%. They, considering you guys get put in the play-in game, um, I, I'm pretty sure that would have knocked you all out. Yeah. You also so, could do the domino of did I, they play Maryland differently. Like that's what it looked like too. Yeah, no, they, they went off the gas a no. little bit. You could tell Maryland was like playing for their tournament lives a little bit, and state you could almost see them being like, "Yeah, we they tell us we clinched a spot." I I, I wouldn't think a player would play that way, but it, you know that is true. You know, you guys could have. Uh, no, and that and that's fair. We did it with Michigan just last week about the Big Ten title, so that's completely fair if we're going to be uh, consistent with our logic. Um, let, let's get into Maryland's next game, which was substantially more interesting. Um, <laughs> so you talked about Maryland hitting their free throws consistently, which they don't do against Michigan State. Um, how about them – hitting their threes against Michigan. I mean, in the New Year's Eve matchup, they go eight of 11 in the first half from three. And you're just like, all right, this isn't even a good three-point shooting team, but stuff's going to happen, whatever. And then I, I don't know exactly what they went, but they were just hitting some ridiculous threes again. To, they, they were up by 12, I think, at one point in the first half 
against Michigan. And um, honestly, for Michigan to go and win it like they did, where it was never really in doubt in any of the second half was really impressive, I think, especially considering, as is going to be a theme of this episode, is talking about Michigan without Isaiah Livers, because he, I think, only plays 15 minutes in this game, uh, as this was the one where he really couldn't play on his ankle. Um, so let's let's just – Michigan beat a team they're better than after a slow start. That's no news. Let's talk about what was interesting about this game. Um, Mark Turgeon can get fucked. That's my take so far. Uh, so he, for those who didn't watch this game and maybe, maybe you've only heard bits and pieces about what happened. Um, basically there's an out of bounds call. Yes. This all started with an out of bounds call that goes, for Maryland on their side of the court where their bench is. And Juwan Howard, as has been a theme over his two years, is unafraid to talk to the refs and go wherever he wants, sometimes physically on the court, uh, to do so. And so he starts walking towards where the officials have called it, which is on the other side towards the Maryland bench. And at this point, I'll try and be as unbiased as I can here. Mark Turgeon goes, he's out of the box. He's out of his coaching box, like at the referee, gesturing towards Juwan, but not looking at Juwan. And Juwan is basically like, if you have a problem, talk, like say something to me. This is a gist that I'm getting from both press conferences. You tell me if I'm off base at any point, Um, because I'm not going just from see. I, like, I would say, I would say Juwan was even less confrontational than that. I think his, his thing that he said was basically that this is what we're doing today. Like that's what yeah. you're going to complain about. Come on. I mean, really? You're right. And which so, is even, which is even less confrontational <laughs> than you, uh, than you made it to be. Okay, good. And, and so then Mark Turgeon jumps to don't talk to me. Don't you ever talk to me. I'm not even going to talk about the racist undertones here. Like we can just ignore those and just say it's because he's a newer coach and Michigan's beat his ass a couple times and Hunter Dickinson bullied him. And um, so his frustrations are clearly there. Uh, but, but to jump straight to don't you ever talk to me to somebody who is not only your peer in the league, but has just beat the shit out of you. So, um, so here's where I'll, I'll cut off your bias a little bit. The, the only way that I would read that is uh, he mentioned after the game that apparently he had an issue with Dwan chirping during the first two games and apparently brought it up to the league office after two. So the only thing I can think of with the uh, – oh, no, yeah, I mean, tattling like that is such a, such a bitch move. But um, what I would say is I feel like if he made that call to the league office, I can guarantee you there was a conference call between the three of them. And so what he could maybe be saying at that point is like, basically, Juwan, you know, we've already had this call. Like you and I are just not talking during the game. Like we'll talk through the refs. That's fair. But again, that's how you say it is basically like you call back, you go like, Hey man, remember we don't, we don't do this, you and I. <laughs> and that, and that's not how we said it. Because you can see, this is where I'll bring the video. You can see he's wagging his finger. He's got like, 
he's he's got his mad face on and be mad but like dude come on now here's where juan goes wrong because he lost his fucking shit like he he was seeing red to the nth degree and he he said so it credit to him because he said so in the post game, and he said he handled it wrong and so I'm not going to harbor any bad feelings. And honestly, the, the apology wins me over. I'm happy it happened. But I, he, he saw red, um, which was a bit of an overreaction. Uh, and yeah, I don't think, think Juwan's quite got far enough from his playing days yet. No, to, no, uh, not at all. <laughs> you can count. Because like, even when you're an assistant coach, like when you're an assistant coach, you're still allowed some of that. Like, assistant coach uh at least in my experience you can still do a little bit more shit talking you can be a little bit more of like you're still the buddy of the guys on the team so you can do some more chirping you can do some more you can be a little bit immature um head coach guy though yeah juan you can't really do that <laughs> you gotta like and you let, you uh, let phil martelli let phil martelli run at him like that yankees third baseman coach and <laughs> be a don zimmer or something man don't yeah. don't do it yourself yeah also yeah. like Mark Turgeon's not even a workout for you. You would pound that guy into the ground in like three seconds. It's not even fun. Well, that raises the question, what the <laughs> hell is Mark doing walking over towards him? <laughs> like, like with it, you walk towards the dude that's a full foot taller than you, dude, played in the NBA, yeah. and you're saying, don't talk to me. I mean, like, it, they're adults. Juan shouldn't be answering with violence, but like – seriously bro what was your plan you weren't trying to have a rational so, <laughs> so if Jawan if Jawan hasn't been coaching enough Mark Turgeon's been coaching too long for too long he's been able to just yell at 19 year old completely jacked African Americans and get away with it and then he took his old white ass towards a former NBA player <laughs> and thought he could still do that yeah and Jawan would have ended him oh. but you know that would have earned him a yeah. suspension, and uh, no wish. <laughs> I think I think Mark Turgeon's a little too comfortable. Uh, uh, no kidding. He hasn't. It's been too long since he's been in a fight because he he wasn't reading the room on that one at all. Oh man, what a great thing to happen with! Could you imagine if that place was full of fans? Like, so I know it's it was the Friday noon game, so there's no scenario where it would have been full of fans. But like, right. just could you imagine if that was like the 8 p.m. Friday night game, and you have leftover fans from like a Michigan State whatever game, and and now oh, yeah, oh, it would have been a blast. But uh, anyways, that ridiculous scenario happens. The only other comment I have on it is, uh, what a luxury for Michigan to have Juwan Howard get ejected and be able to have Phil Martelli coach your team. Uh, not a bad outcome. No, no, not at all. And so really, really pointed out a nice thing uh, about Michigan's makeup. Um, but Michigan wins, and that night is when the Livers news kind of leaks on Twitter. It wasn't officially confirmed until the morning after, but ev- everybody pretty much knew Livers was done for the year, most likely, um, at that point. And so the next day they play Ohio State. And in a rematch of one of the best games of the year in college basketball, and they produced a much worse game, um, still equally close. Well, not equally close because 
uh, while it finished as a one point game, it, it looked over for a while in the second half, but uh, you know, they, they played a good, another decent game that just ended up being more of a rock fight than the last time. And I, man, did, did you get to watch any of this game? So I did. Um, so I had the like seven stages of gambling on this game. Uh, oh, I was. I gamble. Yeah. I gamble the night before because a, a good friend of mine from my only colors days pointed out that even after the livers news broke, the line had not moved, and Ohio State was. So I bet them at six, and then later at six and a half. So the line. Uh, was not moving. Well, so, like, well, you know, just for those who aren't gamb- don't follow gambling, you, you got them as an underdog. So, yeah, getting six six and a half points. So that was. Uh, so I do that, and then I start to like mid second half as as they're kind of maintaining a lead over Michigan, but I kind of feel Michigan making little spurts and little runs. I start to text you and our and our buddy Eric Seeds and say, hmm, should I get on the live bet and put a little put a little on Michigan to win this game? And then I can win both ways. Ohio State will cover and I'll I'll win with a Michigan win. Go to DraftKings, put put the bet in, screen freezes, won't let me bet it. They will they suspend it. Um, I finally say, well, there was a good thing that didn't happen because Michigan let Ohio State get on a run, and it was like, well, that had been money lost. And Franz, let me tell you, that's a major point. Yeah, and Franz follows out, and so then let me tell you, as Michigan got it down to one point, your boy was pissed because he was like, I was going to win everything, <laughs> and so I was pretty happy that Mike Smith decided to just hero ball it for the last twenty five seconds of. I'll argue that. So okay, let's get into this. I didn't. So I, didn't so I don't like think it was a bad. No, and I don't think it was one where Jawan did a bad coaching job, but I just well, Mike. I mean, Mike Smith. Okay, so you guy. So here's my thought: they run if they run that play ten seconds earlier, it's Mm -hmm. fantastic because you've got you get a rebound or a foul. Well, no, you've got Mike Smith matched on to EJ Liddell, and you've got Hunter Dickinson down low with somebody much smaller than him. And they got the switch they wanted. And so I like the play call, but you're running it for the last shot. And that's what I disagree with. You're down one. Mm-hmm. So if you miss and they get the rebound and you foul, your worst case scenario is down three. You, right. It's just a fundamental decision I disagree with. And, and even if, you know, that's a good play to run. But if you're running it where he only has three seconds to get a shot off, then you end up with what looks like a hero ball thing. But if you get it down to Dickinson, he has no time to make a move and get a bucket uh, the way they ran it. And so I I like the play they ran and I don't even hate the shot. You have a, you have Mike Smith on a center and then that's a a good matchup to take a step back three on. Um, He got the look he wanted and it just doesn't go in, but uh, it's just, I have a fundamental disagreement with, I don't know if that's a word. I disagree with the way that they um, ran it and really, really wish they would have ran it with some more time on the clock because even if you hit that shot with seven seconds left, it's not the NBA. You don't get to call a timeout and bring it up to half court. Like You still have, to, yeah. you, you still have a lot to do there. And so, 
but it is what it is. Hopefully Juwan learns from it. Um, I understand your frustrations because I mean, well, well, no, no, it's fine. Yeah, I know it was fine for you, but uh, it's fine at that time because I didn't lose. Like you know, if I had gotten my bet in, I would have been really sad that I missed it by that little. And but as Michigan was making the comeback, your boy was pissed. I was like, oh, they locked me out. They was getting too hot. If the Michigan locked me out, <laughs> if Michigan would have won that game, you could have put the Dickinson steal and layup on my tombstone in gift format. Oh, what a play that was. I'm assuming oh. by the time I die that we can put gifts on tombstones and you could have put it there. Oh my <sighs> God, that steel. And then the little, he weighs like 240 pounds and he's seven foot one. And that little stutter he did to get the layup. Oh my God. What a play. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was a great play. Like it was the end of that game was fun. I will say uh, for a neutral it was also kind of ugly for the first 20 to 30. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, I mean, and to be honest, again, like rivalry being what it is, I, Michigan's a pretty fun team to watch most nights, whether I am happy that they're so good or not. Um, they're at least like watchable games. And that, yeah, it's like, I, that was tough to watch. And I hate watching Ohio State because I just, there's just nothing to like about Ohio State. So um, Dwayne Washington just hurts my soul. And uh, I hate watching EJ Liddell. So they go like 12 of 21 from three. And while they had a lot more good looks than they had than the last time these two teams played, not, not that many. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they were really good from three. And uh, it sucks to lose like that. But, you know, what are you going to do? It's, I, I still put it down as a really good performance without livers. Because we've been the Michigan on one day's rest, or yeah. like, you know, the team finding out probably the night before, right, that they're not going to have Isaiah. I think it was a good response. And Brandon Johns, seven of eight from the line, he drew eight. My boy. Yeah, no, it's going to be. We'll talk about it. Well, as in the NCAA tournament, I would argue Brandon Johns is the X factor because he's the one coming in replacing um, the livers and. Uh, you know, he, he was playing different without having to look over his shoulder to see when he was getting subbed out. It, there's definitely something to that. And uh, he he played really well, and it makes me hopeful for the NCAA tournament. At the end of the day, Michigan went out on – they probably had 16 hours to process the fact that they were playing without Isaiah Livers. They played – a team that ends up being a two seed in the NCAA tournament, a team that took probably the hottest team in the country in Illinois to overtime. Um, They went out and played that team and lost by one with a chance to win at the buzzer. Um, I I can't fault the performance. It it sucked to watch them lose. And I was really pissed off, you know, in the moment, but it is what it is. And, you know, and honestly, if Franz doesn't follow out and a couple of those calls were really questionable, big 10 refs, as we say, um, if, if Franz doesn't follow out, I think we probably win. So uh, it is what it is. And we, we went into the week talking and saying, Hey, this, this week's all gravy for Michigan, figure it out without Eli, which funny enough, they never did. Cause Eli played against Maryland. Um, but you know, it, 
sucks to lose, but it happens. And uh, now you've got the NCAA tournament ahead. And let's take a break from we're done with the Big Ten tournament. Before we start previewing stuff in the NCAA tournament, I want to talk about our bracket challenge, which you need to join. I think you have until when the games tip off on Friday to fill out a bracket. Join uh, Gone in Patino Seconds. That is our group name. And if you're interested in a poster, go to at Podcast Divided and you will find the hilarious work from my friend Charles. Thank, thank you so much for that. Um, and winner gets a Patino sized segment on our show. We'll give you 15 seconds to talk. You can either send in a clip or we can have you on the Zoom call for a minute. Uh, it's yeah, up. Because they're like, if you get your 15 seconds, we won't kick you off. So it's like you're at the chef's table in like a famous restaurant. You know, you used to watch us work on this fabulous show. <laughs> like, can you imagine the, the monetary value of that? Yeah. But, but more importantly than that, you get a home field shirt, which is great. I, I got the stimulus check in my account overnight and I spent $100 on home field today. So, you know, it, it's where it's what you want. You want to win this thing. And, and I'm not kidding. Like we, we may be a smaller show right now, but you're probably not going to find a better bracket challenge on Twitter, except for a few other things like uh, getting a free home. Well, field is nice. And more and the thing. But whatever. Yeah. Well, here's the thing right now. I mean, I haven't checked it today. There's only like eight people in there. So yes. pretty good chance to win, huh? exactly same thing with like our picks challenge like you know we didn't have a lot of people participate in the picks challenge and stay in it every week so you know you got pretty good odds i mean you join some of these other things like i've joined a few challenges where some home field swag is up but you know that's a couple hundred people in a group you Ten know, this is right including perfect. us we can't win so if we win second place wins the shirt and the prize there we go so there we I, go so which we're not gonna win because we're both idiots so, oh, so bad, yeah. so bad. I'm going to, I actually uh, just, just before we came on, took advantage of Dylan Burkhart's uh, college basketball guide. Um, I've already filled out all my brackets and I know I'm already too lazy to probably actually dive into his guide and fix my bracket. I'm probably just going to use it on the against the spread as we go uh, for my individual betting. But um, yeah, man, it is uh yeah, there's there's no way we win this. I don't like the football picks, which you did pretty good this year on. Um, there's no way either one of us wins this bracket challenge. Absolutely so. not. I don't feel good about it. I think I entitled that mine, this bracket will suck. So, yeah, I, I don't feel good about it. But uh, you should because you're playing against us. So join the bracket challenge. Uh, win a free home field shirt. Come on the show and we'll all have a good time. Uh, let's start previewing the tournament, huh? So Michigan, okay. uh, we're going to skip the first round. Um, as long as they don't become the second team ever to lose a one matchup, I don't really care about Texas Southern or uh, Mount St. Mary's. So let's hope I'm not wrong because that will monumentally suck. Uh, in the second round, they will play either LSU or the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Um, just real quick on these two teams, LSU is a super athletic team full of future NBA players, not full, but they have a few future NBA players that is not coached at all. 
they <laughs> will Wade pays them to come to school at LSU and then rolls the ball out and they have a ridiculous offense. They are super efficient, despite the fact that they basically are ISO only and their defense is terrible despite enormous three-point luck like they don't guard the three and they still don't allow a ton of them Um, they allow a ton of attempts but a ton of them don't go in so they've been enormously lucky um on on the inverse of that saint bonaventure is the exact opposite they're not super athletic they're not super big but they are well coached um And so I feel like LSU is more probable to pull an upset on Michigan, but I'm not sure if LSU can beat the Bonnies. So it'll be really interesting. I hope you all didn't hear my laptop sound. I apologize if you did, but uh, I don't know how to feel about that eight, nine matchup. I'd rather see St. Bonaventure. I think I'd rather play a well-coached team that won't be able to stop Hunter Dickinson than a team that if they hit their shots could could beat you for sure um i don't know but i think i I don't know who's gonna win that's gonna be a really good eight nine game do you have any thoughts i i know you probably haven't looked a ton into lsu and the bonnies so if you don't yeah no i was just looking them up here and i mean you know again like i said gotta put this uh tournament uh preview from the great Dylan Burkhart to use. Um, no, I mean, it, you know, St. Bonaventure to kind of get into a little bit more of, you know, them, they 29th on Torvik. Um, so they're kind of underseeded. So you could, you know, could argue that they shouldn't really be a nine seed. Um, I think uh, one thing that jumped out to me is it's going to be a fun inside matchup for these two teams because St. Bonaventure's really good at defending around the basket and LSU is also really good at getting there and making their shots. <laughs> so um, they're really good statistically at defending around the basket, but that's because they play in the Atlantic 10. True, have- that's where you have to see, like, are they going to be able to match athletically? Um, I will say uh, Torvik likes you guys over LSU a little bit more than St. Bonaventure. Um, yeah. I'm not surprised. You know, LSU is like an analytics not nightmare, but they're, they're not good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It gives you guys a, well, both teams actually, it gives you guys a 72% chance to win. Um, just a smaller margin of victory against St. Bonaventure than, uh, than LSU. But uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm a Michigan fan, I think I'd rather see St. Bonaventure for sure. Um, I mean, LSU almost beat Alabama. Like the, just the other day, they told oh, Speaking of, Speaking of fun conference championship game or conference tournament games, man, did you see the – that was a fun one. You had assistant coaches chirping before the game even starts. You have two staffs that pay their teams. Like, <laughs> perfect. It was a perfect game. Yeah, I heard Nate Oates had some choice words for LSU as they were leaving. Um, yes. I, I, which I'm all here for that. That's awesome. Um, but either way, I feel decent about Michigan's chances to win that game, no matter who they're playing. Uh, I just can't see a world where either of these teams are better than like Maryland or MSU. So, and I know MSU beat Michigan, but uh, you know, nine, not nine out of 10, but seven out of 10 times Michigan. I think, and so I think the LSU game could get weird. I think, uh, LSU definitely could. Yeah. 
they have enough athletes and everything where I think like it could just get into get into being a weird game. I think the St. Bonaventure game would just be so much more controlled that Michigan would probably feel more comfortable. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, I certainly have them moving on past these two teams, but if I'm a Michigan fan, I'd probably prefer to see St. Bonaventure, even though, I mean, there's a legit chance that St. Bonaventure is the better team. It wouldn't be necessarily they upset LSU, but I think stylistically um, and just like, like I would sleep better <laughs> knowing the next day we play St. Bonaventure, not in a cocky way, but just LSU to me seems like a chaos team in a little way. For um, sure. Michigan could beat them by 20 and they could also lose. I, I think that is yeah. with LSU, whereas with St. Bonaventure, I feel like the majority of those games, if they play 10 times or whatever, I think eight of them end yeah. Michigan winning by eight to 12, you know, like I, <laughs> I, so for sure. I, it'll be, It'll be interesting. That LSU St. Bonnie's game or St. Bonnie's. <laughs> that's not right, but that's fine. Um, that game should be really interesting to watch because if if LSU gets to dictate the pace of play, that it'll be an up and down matchup and uh, LSU will probably win. But if the Bonnie's do, it's going to be really slow. LSU is going to feel real frustrated and, uh, uh, if if the Bonnies can force everything to play slow, I think they'll probably win. Um, but either way, I feel like Michigan has probably a 65, 70% chance to make it to the Sweet 16. You know, even better, I'll say 75. Uh, 75% chance, percent chance to make it to the Sweet 16. And in that matchup, they'll either play Florida State, Colorado, or Georgetown. The only reason I include Georgetown in there is because they just went as like a 10 seed in the Big East tournament and won the thing. Uh, so that could always happen. I don't know anything about them. I didn't include them in my preview. I don't think it'll happen. Um, but let's go through these. I have two teams that Michigan could play in the Sweet 16 that I feel confident now. Talk about. We're going to record before the Sweet 16. They'll give them all the goods. Okay. Uh, let, me just, let me just give a quick general – thing because i prepared for it so i deserve it florida state is you prepared it unlike patino you're gonna make this last (laughs) florida state is fucking massive they're beatable but i think they're a sneaky good final four pick um that feels like a really i want that matchup because i want to see hunter dickinson against the florida state interior like that that'll be again neutral perspective but like that would be I would that'd be probably one of the best games in the Sweet 16 that would be out there for sure. Yeah. Colorado is a solid Pac-12 team, but I have concerns about them considering they play at elevation. It got talked about on the moving screen. Um, I really apparently teams who play at elevation and have a lot of home wins can kind of be suspect in the NCAA tournament uh, because of a potential overinflated record because they get a lot of home wins because people have to go play at elevation. Um, And I don't think we're going to see them. I think Florida state's probably the most uh, likely in terms of the elite eight, uh, Alabama plays super fast. They pay their team. They can get a bucket. They're entertaining as hell. And they on per very similar to Juwan Howard. They try and shoot no mid range shots. Um, Nate Oates is a really good coach. And the Future last MSU coach Nate Oates, sir. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. Uh, so 
And then I'll just talk about UConn because I think they're a sneaky good pick for an upset in that two seven game in the second round. Uh, most of their losses came without their first round projected pick and uh, they have been playing on fire for the last two months. So I'd look potentially as UConn uh, being a crazy team to make a final four elite eight run as a seven seed. Uh, my general feelings before we jump to MSU on this Michigan tournament is that they're probably the third or fourth best team in the region without livers. I, like, and if you have that, the final so four. So would you put ahead of them? Um, so I would put, I think. And, and who is your pick? So, the, so my final four pick is Florida State. I think I think they're probably the best. we agree on that. So so I I'd probably have Florida State, Texas. Well, no, no, this is what I had: Florida State, Alabama, and then I think I have Texas and Michigan as like a three A three B situation, and I'm not sure which is which. Um, and it sucks that you don't have Isaiah Livers, and I think if you get this region with Isaiah Livers, you're you're I'm buying my tickets to the Final Four. Probably, but that's not the case. And you got to play how you're going to play. I think ultimately, as long as you don't have an embarrassing upset in the first weekend, um, it's a win. And the season's a win with a, you get to hang a banner. You get to uh, have a sweet 16 on your resume. Nobody's uh, people might care that you're a one seed, but with the livers, if you would have told me before the season, hey, you're a Sweet 16 team after not being ranked in the preseason poll, I'm happy with it. And so it sucks to lose livers, but uh, as long as you don't get beat by the Bonnies or LSU, I think it's a win. And even that, it would be really painful, but it's not the end of the world. We're not writing stuff about Juwan Howard being a choke artist. We're not doing any of that shit because it really sucks to lose the heart of your team. Uh a week before the tournament. So that's how I feel. Um, I think there's an opportunity for some really exciting games here. I think if we get, I think Michigan LSU would be a excellent game to watch. Um, I think Michigan Florida state would be an excellent game to watch. And I think Michigan Alabama or Michigan Yukon or Michigan Texas would be an excellent game to watch. So I, I think there's an opportunity here for a lot of fun games a lot of chances to make memories, even if this isn't the national championship season. A lot of Michigan fans hoped it might be a month ago. Um, so that's my – I got good – I've got I good mean, vibes going into this. Speak. Let's talk about just, the opposite of good vibes because MSU and UCLA play 12 hours from now. Yeah. Well, we, tw- tw- uh, try almost 24 hours. <laughs> so at nine, oh at Sorry. Night. Sorry. We, you also just went – maybe it's not – Maybe the wins, Brendan, were all the memories we made along the way. <laughs> you internet memed yourself into that that rant. No, but that was a good. I think your your uh, I think your outlook is right. I think uh, if I hate, yeah, I, the hardest part of this bracket for me to pick was the Texas part because I'm not a huge shock and smart believer. Texas has been so bad for so long under him that. I'm still struggling to put the respect on his name at Texas. I give him all the respect for BCU. Um, Texas has been so bad, but uh, no, I think you read on this bracket's really good. I love your UConn love too. Uh, I will say you did not spend enough time on Georgetown because 
those boys were part of my hot streak last week. I kept picking them to win as underdogs, and they were paying me handsomely. They're not winning two in a row against Colorado. No, but I, I definitely think they're going to beat Colorado, though. I, I think that oh, one would be fun, that wouldn't it? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I know I think that's uh, – you know, I think your I think your read on the region is good, but yeah, MSU first four game against UCLA. Yeah, uh... the brands are great. Um, but okay, so if you have done your research on this, I got to go grab my laptop charger before uh, this gets abruptly ended on accident. And uh, so I'll be right back. You you give you give a summation on what this game's going to look like. Yeah. So first of all. Uh, I can't work up too much anger. I, I think as an MSU fan, I've got to cover the the being in the first four to begin with. Um, really can't work up too much anger about it. I think uh, like everyone's kind of latched on to, oh, well, Syracuse isn't in this, and we are, and um, you know, it's inconsistent. It's it's only for TV that they put us in the first four. Listen, we were 15 and 12. I know the big 10 is what it is. Um, but you know how you avoid the first four is you don't go 15 and 12 and you play much better all season. So expecting consistency out of this process is asinine. Um, I think getting worked up about it is just a bad it's, it's not a bad look. I think it, there's a lot of reason to get upset, but hard for me to uh, to die on the hill of we shouldn't be in a play-in game when not only do you have the season you have, but we could have just not been dog shit against Maryland in the Big Ten tournament and we could have avoided this. Um, so it is what it is. You got to play on the first night. Uh it does change my perspective of like, I always was like, you know, for those 11 games or for the non-small schools who play in these playing games, do they really count it as being in the tournament? Cause do you kind of feel like you were in the tournament, but you weren't in the tournament I can tell you now, I definitely feel like you were in the tournament. Um, so yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of my rant on the, uh, the first four and MSU fans being upset about that um, to the game. itself. Oh, in the tournament. Sorry. What, what was your answer to that? If you lose, you're not in the tournament. Gee, uh, as soon as they quit calling it the first round, uh, that means you're out. Sorry, my bad. Oh, God. Well, the streak has continued anyways. I don't care. Um, <laughs> nope, I am no. the be-all, be end-all decider of the streak. And if you lose so, the LA, it's over. So I, so I, I want to give respect to UCLA, but I, Mick Cronin team just doesn't scare me. Not that this MSU team should be cocky by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, yeah, I mean, UCLA is kind of the opposite of MSU. They had a hot start, really played well early in the season. Down the stretch, they've had injuries. I think they've had a guy randomly leave the team. Um, I don't know, you know what the reasoning was on leaving the team. Um, but they've kind of been just like – running out of gas and just kind of got to the finish line. So kind of an opposite of MSU who, uh, you know, played pretty well outside of games against Maryland down, down the stretch. Um, you know, looking at kind of the profiles of like the matchups between the two teams, uh, you know, MSU, the nice part is that I don't think UCLA is going to be 
hugely hard to play against for, for their turnovers. I think turnovers are going to be important as they always are, but MSU shouldn't be afraid that they're going to turn over more than they usually do. Um, we shoot a lot of our mid-range jumpers, uh, and that's going to continue to be a part of our game, of course, um, which UCLA kind of forces opponents into. So might not be a bad thing is that they force us into something that's already going to be a strong point anyways. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a toss-up game. Torvik had it as a 67-66 UCLA win. I think there's a lot of UCLA's analytics that probably is baked in with players who aren't going to play uh, tomorrow night. Um, so, you know, I, I think I like MSU in a close one. Uh, by no means do I feel confident. I feel like it's a toss-up, but, uh, you know, it just feels like just riding momentum. Momentum of an MSU team versus UCLA not having the momentum. Um, an MSU team that was already in Indy for a week, <laughs> you know, they've, they stayed in Indy after they lost and just been there and been comfortable UCLA flying in and Games at yeah, at Mackey arena. Um, <laughs> at Mackey arena, but you know, UCLA has John Wooden statue out front. That they have to like grapple with. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, yeah. um, it's going to be the, the most toss-up game of toss-up games, but this kind of feels like one of those where you're nervous all day and then randomly MSU puts together like an 8-12 to 12 point win and you start to like dream a little bit like, oh, BYU is beautiful and then we're like one win away from Sweet 16. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I mean, I see it as a, a win over UCLA, but by no means confident. How do you feel it? So, yeah, here's my take. Um, UCLA has had a rough end of the season, and MSU had a strong end of the season. And so the analytics don't favor any portion of the season. Um, so while they favor UCLA, I would favor Michigan State by probably three to four points. Here's the thing. I like MSU to win, but UCLA plays – slow they try and slow you down they try and turn you over and michigan state has a bad habit of these streaks of six or seven possessions where they just don't run good offense they get shitty shots none of them fall and it feels like those start to feel like the beginning of the end for them in games where they play mediocre teams that they should beat um and so i think msu is gonna win but if they came out and in the second half they have a five, six, seven-minute drought and they end up losing because of it, I'm not going to be shocked at all. Um, so I'm, my tentative pick is MSU, and I, I don't think UCLA is going to win. That's the thing about this single elimination format, man. I like it. It'll be interesting. I think this is one of the better. I, I don't think it'll be aesthetically pleasing to watch for like a neutral person who's coming to watch good basketball. But I think for people that are accustomed to big 10 and accustomed to some rock fights, I think this is going to be a real fun game uh, for neutrals. I think you're going to be sweating the entire time, but uh, that's not my problem. So uh, let, me, uh, let me pull up the old, the old DraftKings Cause you made me think I got to know what this under is. What do you think this, this under has got to be what, like 135? I was, I almost said 132. So, yeah, it, somewhere around there. 
Yeah, let's see here. And I would hammer it if it's at one. 132 would be hard. That's uh that's pretty yeah. low. But um Vegas. <laughs> Brendan, I was so close. Put me in Vegas. It was 135 and a half. Oh man, you got it. Come on. That's yeah, I'll give it to you. Um yeah. that, that'll be inter- that's an interesting play. So let, let's say Michigan State goes out, they beat UCLA. Now you've got BYU. Um, the first thought I have is Matt Harms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, our boy. And we won't play him at Mackey, thank God, because I think they said you're not playing right. in the same arena back-to-back. So right. won't be Mackey, thank God, because I don't want to play Matt Harms in Mackey. Oh, Jesus. I wish you could. That would be so good. <laughs> um, so BYU is an interesting team because – they're a team that played Gonzaga even for almost 40 minutes. Uh, and they've also lost uh, Pepperdine this year. So <laughs> um, it real interesting team, which I feel like plays right in the MSU's wheelhouse. No, I mean, they're, they're the team that's gone out and got swept by Maryland and then beat three top five teams within two weeks. Uh, so, so I like MSU's chances in a six 11 matchup. If they can beat UCLA and get past the rock fight, I think for being a five seed underdog, I think the chances are pretty good. Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, I think stylistically they don't, they kind of fit what isn't the Maryland bad matchup, right? Like they, they are really wanting to work in the paint. Um, They average, you know, they're one of the better post-up teams in the whole tournament. Um, not that we're amazing at defending the post as we've talked all season about our center rotations and issues and things like that around the center position. But I think as an 11 seed, you're going to always probably get matchups that are not great. Right. <laughs> so and I think you're just looking, way. you're just looking for a decent matchup. And I think avoiding the teams that are a Maryland style of four stretch shooters is going to be the key. Um, the Cougars do have three guys who have shot well from three, but I think, again, this is 2021. You're probably going to run into that on most teams. Um, but their offense is pretty good. I mean, it's 24th nationally in efficiency. So it isn't one that I think as an MSU fan, you can feel cocky by any means, but at least stylistically, I think this should be a matchup that, fits an MSU matchup better than running into a, a Maryland type team in that, that game. Um, you know, and, and same thing, BYU similar defensively to what we would see in UCLA, um, you know, forcing a lot of teams to come in and shoot mid range, which again, MSU does fine with that's kind of where they like to go anyways. Um, you know, and they don't rely on the three ball because it just hasn't fallen this year, uh, especially with, you know, even like a sharpshooter, like, you know, somewhat jokingly, a sharpshooter like Foster Lawyer injured. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, I don't think it would be one that I go into feeling like, hey, you know, I know we're, we're the 11th seed and we're the underdog, but I feel like we're going to win. No, BYU is probably still the team I would think would come away with the win, but for an 11 seed, I'd feel pretty good about my chances against BYU um, in yeah. that mashup. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't have anything specifically on uh, Texas for the second round. Um, 
Uh, I don't think as an MSU fan, I've even allowed myself to get that far. (laughs) No, that's that's Um, completely fair. That's why I didn't really go that far. That's two games down. But, yeah, I mean, just even quickly looking, I mean, you know, both BYU and Torvik – or both BYU and Texas would be five-point favorites according to Torvik. So, um, you know, I I don't think – I think the only thing that would be – that MSU would love about getting into a Texas matchup is that they play really fast, um, which MSU likes to do, and they've really struggled to do this season. So, um, you know, I think they would like the fact that Texas wants to play fast and they'll turn the ball over a lot. Um, But MSU also hasn't been able to show that they are not just a brand of we like to run because this team – hasn't shown the ability to do it outside of the out-of-conference game. So uh, that's the other thing that's really crazy about this season, I feel like, Brandon, is that with a really limited out-of-conference run, we have a team like MSU that is 15 and 12, and it's hard to feel confident in. But if the Big Ten is as good as we say it is, maybe when they get back into these (laughs) – but maybe when we get back into these out-of-conference games, right, um, you know, we can look at a team like a Texas – I mean, I, I think the Big 12 has been really quality this year, too. So I, I won't maybe throw Texas in here, but maybe BYU. Um, like you said, they had, a, they had a good game against Gonzaga, but we all knocked Gonzaga's schedule. So a six-seed BYU, that's not that scary, and I'm not really that scared of the Pac-12. So no, I maybe mean, uh, MSU can find a groove now that they're out of the just absolute meat grinder of the Big 10 season. Maybe, and that's a good way to get into our general MSU feelings about this tournament. Um, I think anything between losing tomorrow night or tonight, you're probably listening to this and it's tonight, um, I think losing to UCLA from, from that to a Sweet 16 appearance is on the table. Like, seriously. I, 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 and I'm they could go to the Elite Eight, but it, come on, they're an 11 seed yeah. playing and let, let's be realistic here they, they could go beat Alabama who's to say they can't but I, I think that really it's they have such a wide range of where we can go and I think that's kind of fun about uh not having a real non-conference schedule is that we have that um I think I think as long as they win tomorrow night it'll be a fun tournament like even if they yeah go they, out I mean it all can be about how they lose if they lose to BYU and it's another sludge fart type of loss like it'll just feel like the whole season was um but if you can you win the ucla game and as brendan said make it to the actual tournament uh you know if if you can do that i think it allows you to like it feels good to let aaron and josh be an ncaa tournament win this season like they don't have to feel like they were first round exit in their mind um I, that's how yeah, it was in Michigan in 2016 when they beat SMU in the play-in game and then went and gave mm-hmm. Notre Dame a real game. I, like, I, I think when you're in a – not a year zero, that doesn't make sense. That's the wrong phrase. But a, a year where in February everybody had written the team off, you know. Right. Um, it, when you're in that type of situation, if you go out and beat UCLA tomorrow night – you know, fuck it. Like if you throw out the, whatever round it was, you just went and beat another national brand in a ter- tournament game. Like you, you'll carry that with you for a while. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean a lot for the future, but for the fan base, you know, it, it, you'll have, a, if you have a good time tomorrow night and get that win, you'll, you'll feel happy. 
So uh, good luck to MSU and their endeavor uh, in making the NCAA tournament. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm looking forward to this week. Trey Burke just hit the shot on my TV. Uh, I'm ready for some NCAA tournament basketball. Uh, let's do a special. I didn't put it on the outline, so I'll go first. Uh, do you have any first round upset picks you're excited you think could happen? I'll go first. I think Ohio over Virginia because of Virginia's COVID concerns. Um, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, that'd be that'd be. If, if we have one on the same, I'll just say that I also, I George, also agree. And Georgetown over Colorado. You mentioned it. I think there's a good chance too. So. Yeah, those are the two that I think I've I've put in. Um, I'd also keep an eye on that Winthrop Villanova game mm, over that's... in the South region. I, I think, think Villanova had perhaps, Yeah, it, I, they're kind of again, you know, weird season. Um, I picked Arkansas to beat Colgate, but a lot of people like Colgate just because they've been like the net darling all season. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I. I don't really consider the 10-7 a huge upset. I would look at Virginia Tech over Florida. Um, Trying to think if I had any other big ones in here. A game that's going to be fun to watch. I don't think they're going to pull off the upset per se, but I think uh, the Liberty-Oklahoma State game could be really fun and really high scoring. Um, Fuck you. you Liberty is not fun. We we don't – As a university, no. But that basketball style is going to be. Listen, sir, they had a <laughs> football coach, coach from a hospital bed. They can be entertaining. That yeah, they can be entertaining. I hope they lose. That is only a one thirty nine over under. That's intriguing. Okay. All right. So we we've covered the NCAA tournament. We've spent I think a little over an hour on basketball, and we still have to talk about hockey. Um. So do we though? <laughs> So, I mean, do you even have anything to say on MSU Minnesota? I won't make – we're not going to do the MSU postmortem until the end of Michigan's season, so we can do it in one – once. Yeah. Uh, but do you do you have anything to say specifically about that game? I mean, so so they score – yet again, they score one goal. Um, to be honest, though, I mean, one of the better games they probably played all season. Um. I mean, you forced you know, Minnesota to overtime. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, you're, you're, you're five minutes from winning it. Um, you know, yeah, outshot once again, of course, as you're going to be against Minnesota, but they. <laughs> okay. Outshot is an understatement. <laughs> I think the Corsi was 53 to 21. I will say they went hardcore into a shell. I, they scored a first period power play goal and, uh, and and they kind of showed up after that, which I mean, whatever you, it is, what it is. But uh, yeah, it was not great, but not a bad game. I felt like they were pretty even most of the night. Like Minnesota wasn't the most threatening chances. I thought, you know, MSU was handling it just fine. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is a pretty apt ending to the season like you score one goal yet again your goalie bails you out although it's not the goalie that played 95 percent of the season um but the goalie still manages to bail you out um 
Krieger brother makes a mistake, which leads to an overtime, which leads to the tying goal. Uh, just kind of felt emblematic of the whole season. Um, they wouldn't have done anything with it. Like, you know, Michigan would have steamrolled them the next day um, if they got past Minnesota. So, you know, nothing really, nothing really lost. There was no run coming out of it, but uh, yeah, it, it, the, the season's over, but now it's going to be a pretty interesting summer, I think, to just follow like transfer portal possibilities, what seniors come back. Um, you have two juniors and Dennis Hassana and Drew DeRitter that may leave. So a lot of interesting things that when we get to the postmortem, we can cover more in depth. But um, yeah, it, the game itself, whatever. It was emblematic of the whole season. That's just how it was. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I was disappointed because I wanted you guys to beat Minnesota. Uh, <laughs> Who went on to win the whole thing? Yeah, so exactly. I, it, I, it was a good performance from MSU considering the regular season. For sure, for sure. So Michigan, uh, you know, Man. take it to Ohio State. Yeah, so I, I didn't even put it on the outline because I didn't get a chance to watch it, and it sounded like it went exactly the way it should go when Michigan plays this Ohio State team. Um. But that Minnesota game, man, I, it, it sucks when, when you're looking at it and Michigan's 12-0-0 when they score first. And MSU hadn't overcome a two-goal deficit all year. Do you mean OSU? What? Minnesota. You said MSU. Do you mean OSU? Okay. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but Minnesota, anyways, hadn't overcome a 2-0 or a two-goal oh, yeah. deficit all year. And Michigan goes into the third period up 2-0. They hadn't lost when scoring first all year. That's a that's a that's a heartbreaker, man. That that sucks. Uh the obviously Minnesota comes back to make it 2-2 in regulation, wins in overtime, and uh they go on to win the whole thing. And good for them. They have a great team. And, and I I think that this week just reinforced the idea that Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin are all extremely close in uh, quality and are all threats to win a national title this year. Um, but, you know, Michigan loses 3-2 in overtime. Uh, it's a really tough goal for Strauss to give up. I don't know if you saw any of this, but the, the game-tying goal, it does get tipped a little bit, but it, it's one from a pretty – generous angle to a goaltender that just goes under his right pad and uh gets minnesota the tie it, it sucks it sucks when it's your guy who spent two straight years being uh probably the best goalie in the big 10 i know jack well i can't say that jack lafontaine earned that honor this year and he he was really 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 good for minnesota um but but regardless strauss man has been excellent for two years so to have that goal slip in sucks uh, especially considering right before it Michigan had a couple really good opportunities to make it 3-1 with like six or seven minutes left and bury the game and they didn't and uh, hockey can be a game of bounces uh, and Michigan loses and Minnesota goes on to win the title Michigan could have done the same thing if they get the right bounces but they didn't so unless you can make a frozen four this year you're 
probably not going to hang up a banner in a year where you had a really talented team that put up some really good games. Um, I know I said this last week when Michigan and Minnesota played, but might as well have been in a NCAA tournament game. That's how it felt. Uh, these are two really, really freaking good teams. Uh, it, it, it sucks, especially, you know, it's only as heartbreaking as it is when two days later or two days prior, I had to watch the basketball team lose a one point game on a missed buzzer beater to Ohio state. And then two days later, I have to see Minnesota overcome a two goal deficit in the third period and win in overtime. So that, that sucked to go back to back, but I, I feel pretty good about this team going into the NCAA tournament. You should, I mean, again, it's the most crapshoot tournament in, you know, what happens on the day you show up, especially this year with who knows how it's going to be with like where, where you're going to play and all that stuff. But um, no, I think you should absolutely feel confident as hell. They're a good team. Uh, this team is more than capable of winning their first two games again to a frozen four. And, uh, you know, there's not really holes in this team. Uh, you know, in the years past, you know, you, you can look at teams that Michigan had that were dominant. It was, you know, even like the years of like the CCM line and go, eh, well, I love the goaltending. Like if you can get under their skin, that's what would undo them in the NCAA tournament was they would just get into a shooting match and, you know, not be able to play a team that can score as much as them. <laughs> um, that's not the case this year. Like I, there's no holes. It's uh, It's just having them all fire on the same night. Um, you know, and yeah, I, this team, this team is a threat. Like there's, there's no, no way around it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Michigan goes to the frozen four in 2018 and this team is, is much better than that team. They, they, they are, they might not be as fundamentally sound, but they could skate circles around that team. So, uh, I feel decent about it. Um, I believe I believe we have uh, a couple of weeks before the NCAA tournament field gets announced. No, okay. I'm registering sound, so I don't know how this is going to turn out. But it appears Jeremy can't hear me. Um, Jeremy, go. You talk. Well, we're having technical difficulties over here. Um, I have a five-star review that I'd like to read to you guys. Um, can you hear me now, Jeremy? Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, we're having – can you hear me now at all? Uh-oh. Well, folks, folks, this is uh, the dangers of recording a podcast. Oh. <laughs> this is the danger of uh, recording a podcast with nobody who knows how to do anything technically. <laughs> Um, before we go, 
my microphone is showing that I am talking. So I'm going to finish this one out. I don't know what issues we are having, but I have promised that if we got a five-star review that we would read it live on the air. And so we are going to do that right now. So this is, I won't read who it's from, but the title of this review is apparently profanity and abuse is dot, dot, dot. And that's where it cuts off. The review reads, this is a 20 star review. I have put my heart and soul into these reviews and been blocked three times now. Brendan, the bee singer and Jer Bear are the bees cheese and that's what's up. Starting a GoFundMe to get Jeremy a new microphone and any money left over will go to Jim Harbaugh to get himself a quarterback that he doesn't have to sleep over, sleep over with. And that is the end of that review. If you want to get your review read out live on this show, go post a five-star review on our podcast page and it'll get read out loud no matter what it says. So uh, we will talk to you later. And usually I have a joke that we cut off the podcast on, but this time uh, our lack of editing and our technical difficulties are the joke. So you guys have a good night and enjoy the NCAA tournament.